Rundown flats and bitterly cold conditions are a fact of life for many students at Otago University in Dunedin. Some of the most substandard properties are highly sought after by students, and because of this, they command hefty rents. But there's evidence poor housing can harm young people's health, so should landlords be taking the matter more seriously? Emma Lancaster reports from the heart of Studentville in Dunedin. Good day. Welcome to our flat. Sorry, you have to watch. There's no hall light, as you can probably tell, so it's pretty dark in here. And also, watch out for that. Watch out for the couch down this hallway. You got to climb over that. And in here, we've got our living room. A hole in the living room door. How did that happen? Uh, basically, one of our flatmates um, went a bit berserk on Saturday night when he'd had a bit to drink, and high kicked the door through. So making the lounge a bit harder to making, heat. Yeah, making the lounge a lot harder to heat actually. But it's a pretty small lounge, and so it heats up pretty well with cooking and stuff like that. And in fact, we've got no heat pump, no heaters here. But yeah, it can be quite damp as well. We've got heaps of mould on the windowsills here, which we haven't really bothered to clean up. Through here, we've got the kitchen, which is right off the, off the living room. With this oven here, it's been about half broken for about, I guess, three or four months now. We've called up our landlord a couple of times, but... She hasn't bothered to fix it yet, which means we've got only two elements to work with and no oven. This is our toilet here. Um, the toilet seat hasn't been stuck on properly since the start of the year. There are annoyances and all that, but we sort of learned to live through them and yeah, just put up with it, I guess. Third-year student George lives in a stereotypical grotty Dunedin flat on Hyde Street in the heart of the campus area of North Dunedin. George's flatmates, Tim and Sam, explain why it's one of the most popular streets to live. Obviously there is the large high street keg party and we were kind of attracted to that and just it's just so good being so close to the university plus the fact that it does have a reputation for people wanting to have a good time. So It's only two minutes away from the library, it's very close to uni and also on Hyde Street it's such a small street that uh, everyone gets to know each other and they become friends. They pay $105 a week each in rent and the flatmates are divided about whether they're getting value for money. It's a brilliant location close to the university but in terms of the flat it's pretty crap. It's like comparable to the other flats around us. It's pretty much in the like same quality. They're all pretty standard and um, they're a lot cheaper than us. Yeah, the only bargaining tool the landlord really has is the location and the fact that it's Hyde Street, you know. I agree with Tim. I think um, the rent is a bit expensive for this street, but the location is so good that it's close to the library, um, close to town, close to gym. And it's actually, out of all the flats on this street, I reckon it's one of the nicer ones, but 105 is a bit too much. I think, regarding how close it is to the university, I think it's definitely um, worth $105. I mean, comparing to other places, I mean, other centres for where universities are, there would be nowhere close to an Auckland Uni or Vic Uni where it's $105. Students make up more than a fifth of Dunedin's population, with about 25,000 of them studying here every year. And about three-quarters of them are from outside the city. Castle Street is the most notorious of all the student streets, partly because of its association with the controversial annual Undy 500 car rally. We're walking down Castle Street and um, we're just approaching the flat that I've signed up to be in next year, along with five other girls, so that should be interesting. What are you paying for your flat? We are paying 116 each a week, 
So it's a bit more than um, I would have expected it to be, but it should be all right. I think this is definitely one of the nicest ones um, on Castle, and I think a lot of people thought that because there was quite a bit of competition over it. But we won, so it was good. Anna's a first-year student from Wellington. Like about 3,000 other first years, she's currently living in one of the city's 14 halls of residence. James Lindsay is the university's Director of Accommodation Services and is busy answering accommodation queries. He says students living in the halls pay $288.50 a week. It's not just accommodation in a college, it's all the food, power, heating, security, organised tutorials, social events, balls, sporting things. It's, it's, it's more than you'd expect because you're also introducing a collegiate way of life which is synonymous with a tag one. That takes a lot of infrastructure to get going. He says going from that environment into a flatting situation is always an adjustment for students. Some people come here and think it's the best thing from sliced bread. Other people think it's not as good quality as where they've come from. And you get that from a lot of people who have just come from a, a home environment or come from somewhere else. But by and large, the feedback is they, they can complain about that, but they usually get past that and get into the spirit of things and get into the Otago way. So it, it's, it's not something that people are really dying in the ditch over. So it's not a high escalation of concern that we've got, although we are concerned about it. The university owns some flats, however most of them are let to international or postgraduate students. The City Council also provides community housing, but mainly for the elderly. We're here today to uh, replace the carpet, uh, change the door lock, uh, check the smoke alarm and clean the range to get it ready for um, some new tenants. Cliff CQ is the president of the Otago Property Investors Association and has 36 years' experience as a local landlord. He says there are about 750 landlords who own student properties in Dunedin, about 70% of whom live locally. He says Dunedin's campus area is unique in New Zealand as it's made up almost entirely of houses rented to students. The um, popular streets, uh, Castle Street, Hyde Street, Lee Street North, they're seen as the party streets and consequently they are just about all let already. Especially the second years want to be in the party streets, to be seen there, to live there. Anna admits that's part of the appeal. I think there's a real sense in Dunedin among first years that Castle Street's just the place that you go. It's just the street you flat on. I mean, it's a sensible street to be on because you're close to the uni, good proximity to town and everything but that's not what really what people are taking into account when they try to get a flat here it's just because um it's just because castle street has a reputation i think for you know having lots of parties and you're just surrounded by other people your age and your friends and stuff and other people from halls and it's just got a good reputation and it's very highly sought after i know you had some competition looking at your flat yeah, definitely. A huge competition over flats. We got told by the landlord that if we didn't want to um, sort of obey by the rules that he was setting, that there was 30 other girls who'd be keen to take our place. About 70% of Dunedin houses were built before 1970, and one in every 10 was built in the 1800s. Cliff CQ. About 50% of the inner city is actually pre-1920s leading to quite a few um, places that were originally stately homes being used as flats. Some of them were, were, were real mansions in their day, you know, fancy ceilings, 
big rooms, um, quite spacious, but they need um, quite a few of them need to be modernised to brought up to present um, wants of tenants. Hello, Bob Lloyd here. Associate Professor Bob Lloyd is the director of Otago University's Energy Studies Programme. He says few Dunedin houses have wall insulation because of their age. And the city's hilly topography means some areas, including North Dunedin, get little sun. With winter temperatures that can fall to freezing point overnight, these can make for unpleasant living conditions. When there's no insulation and you remove the heating, then the temperature goes, especially if you heat with uh, unflued gas heaters or, or gas heaters which dump a lot of moisture into the air, then of course when the temperature goes down, all that moisture comes back and runs off your walls and ceiling and uh, everywhere you, you look. As long as you heat a house, then you don't have mould problems or, or damp problems. As soon as you get the indoor temperature up sufficiently, then humidity and, and damp is not usually a problem. He says few New Zealanders heat their houses consistently, and students are no different. If you've got a leaking house, um, you know, it's leaking heat that is, then you're very loath to spend money on heating if you know it's going to go straight through the window or through the walls and not provide you with um, warm temperatures. So students typically don't heat very much, and we found that on a number of studies. The World Health Organisation recommends indoor temperatures of between 18 and 21 degrees. Philippa Howden-Chapman is a professor of public health at Otago University in Wellington. There is a variation in temperatures across New Zealand, with Dunedin and Southland homes being colder. That's partly because, of course, it's further south, but also because the homes are older there and basically an older building stock. We have a very high rate of excess winter mortality in New Zealand. That is, more people die in um, winter than we would expect. And it's not just that they're dying in June, July, August and would have died in September. These are people who've died prematurely, unnecessarily of respiratory and coronary conditions. And that rate doesn't vary much up and down the country. So generally, students don't die of the cold in their flats. But we do know that areas where there are a high number of flats have higher levels of hospitalisation. If you're in a flat which is less likely to be heated properly and more likely to be cold, then you're more likely to go to hospital. She says living in a cold, damp and drafty house is particularly bad for babies and the elderly, but can be damaging even for young adults. Students have asthma too. I mean, it's the most prevalent chronic illness that we have in New Zealand. So they're likely to have more asthma and respiratory symptoms. We also know that in cold temperatures, viruses and bacteria last for longer so that if everybody's huddled together in the one room of the house that's warm, work of my colleague Michael Baker has shown that this is where the close contact infectious diseases um, spread very rapidly so that we know that swine flu and those kind of diseases are going to hit flats where everybody's crowding together in a cold flat in the one room of the house where there's a little bit of heat. And, and so you often get a combination of having a viral infection which then goes down and it becomes a chest infection and then have recurrent problems through the winter. Associate Professor Bob Lloyd and his students regularly measure the indoor temperatures in Dunedin flats. He says some of them are literally colder than a fridge. The big part of the refrigerator is normally kept at about 5 degrees. 
so uh, so the student flats were lower and we had one girl who who said that she knew when it was a really cold night because the breath all froze around her face. <laughs> you do hear stories don't you where it's actually colder in the house than it is outside? Yes it is and that happens usually early in the morning when, when the house is still cold from the night and um, the ambient temperature is warming up. So what sort of range of temperatures have you found in the flats? Well, the range goes right from zero, maybe one or minus one or two for, on a couple of occasions on really cold days, up to 20, 25. Um, some students keep their flats warm. Uh, the average temperatures in Dunedin um, from a Housing New Zealand study we found were around about 14, 14.5 as an annual average. And, and in that case, um, about 50% of the temperatures were below 12 degrees. So it's... It's, it is dangerous. Raise the blinds soon. Yeah. While the Hyde Street flatmates were playing poker, I tested the flat's temperature. Right, so we've got a temperature gauge here. It measures the outdoor temperature <laughs> and the indoor temperature. Inside it's 14 degrees here in the lounge and outside it's 9 degrees doesn't surprise me too much because in the lounge it seems to be quite warm most days so yeah I think the insulation works well in the lounge. That's good and that's how flat should be. Are you guys aware that the World Health Organisation recommends 18 <sighs> degrees as a minimum? Uh, no, so yeah, I was, when I heard 14 degrees I thought that was pretty damn high for this flat in Dunedin in general so. Okay um, they obviously haven't heard of Dunedin, I mean 14 degrees that's amazing. Yeah, no, 18 seems um, way too high. Um, I'm quite surprised about that, yeah. The Hyde Street flatmates don't own any heaters, just electric blankets, in order to keep power costs down. Dunedin power prices have risen between 8 and 14% in the year to May. Energy expert Bob Lloyd says if you need to spend more than 10% of your income on energy sources in your home, you're in what's called fuel poverty. And the key thing is that it's the money that you need to spend, not what you actually spend. So very few people in New Zealand are in actual fuel poverty, that is that they, they actually spend more than 10% of their income on heating, but a very large number are in, in fuel poverty in the sense that they should spend that much to get WHO temperatures. And I've done some work estimating um, it could be as high as 23%, 25% for the whole country, and as close to 50% for Dunedin because um, people are poor and their houses are not insulated. I think I've got an ear infection, my ear has just been killing me. Okay. We can get the nurse to see you today and see if she can organise something for you. At the university's student health centre, director Dr Kim Maiyai says housing contributes to poor health among students. I think there's an undeniable contribution from the living conditions. I think that's certainly got to be relevant, especially over the winter months. And the alcohol and the, the dietary considerations, a lot of them are living on toast. You can't hope to be healthy if you're eating poorly and uh, drinking excessively. So to my mind, the diet, the living conditions and the alcohol are up there as the big three that would contribute to student health. John Cutler owns Cutler's Real Estate, which manages 300 Dunedin student flats on behalf of landlords. He says the standard of the flats varies. These owners have done quite well out of these, you know, especially people have been in the long term, and they are conscious that they need to keep on spending. I think with most flats now, we've got heat pumps, 
people are conscious of the fact that they've got to upgrade bathrooms and all that sort of thing on a regular basis. So people are getting more conscious of it, but there is obviously some. You go from pretty scummy villas to um, some pretty nice modern flats here. Some of them are substandard, but there's, there's two sides to that. I mean, you've got to have a sort of a buyer-beware attitude. Have a good look at the flat when you go into the, to it. It's pretty sort of silly to go in as a group and say this is a great flat and take it and then come back a few months later and say it's substandard. If, you know, obviously, we, we're always conscious of that and we try to upgrade it, but you, can't, you can only upgrade it to a certain level. If, if the landlord won't let us spend any more money on it, we can't do anything about it. But he says students are beginning to demand value for money. Because the rents have gone up, the students aren't prepared, with just total justification, to put up with absolute rubbish. I think a few years ago they, they weren't paying a lot in rent, so they didn't worry about you know, little things. Cliff CQ from the Otago Property Investors Association says a growing number of older flats are being insulated, thanks to a government subsidy which can reduce the cost for landlords by up to 60%. We have promoted for over a number of years retrofitting insulation with the ECHA subsidy. There's been various schemes and things like heat pumps and other energy saving devices are fitted by proactive landlords. And is that because the student market's becoming a bit more savvy? Um, more selective, I'd say, than savvy. They're, they're expecting more now, things like heat pumps, dishwashers, they're asking about insulation, in some cases double glazing. But it's an extra cost to the landlord and sometimes it's built into the rent. John Cutler says no one is being forced to live in a hovel. It's amazing. They're the ones that we have three or four groups lining up to take them. The party flats, the well-known party flats. And what sort of comments do you get from people when they're looking at those ones? Well, well, they, they just arrive. They, those are the ones that are very well organised. We have to have references and all that sort of stuff and they come in and yeah, then we obviously vet them. So they're not commenting to us about the state of the flat. They just want the flat. Some of them even maybe a bit delighted at the start. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. That's right, they get quite excited about getting there. They can, do, they can go out at night, they can go to the university easily during the day and everything's simple. And people pop into their flats during the day. It's, it's, you can understand that's the whole varsity community. Anna is one student who shunned a more modern property to live on Castle Street. We were looking at being in a, in a really new flat over the one that we're actually in, but we decided on the one um, that we were in mainly just because even though it's probably going to be a lot colder and it's a little less practical than this nice new place, it just has character and we thought it would be kind of fun to just have that Dunedin experience. It's, it's part of the flatting experience sometimes, being in a, somewhere that's not as nice as your house at home or whatever. It's not like if our parents were buying a house, they'd be looking at all the sensible stuff like insulation and um, how efficient it's going to be to be heated or whatever. But uh, no students are looking at stuff like that, really. They're looking at places that they're going to be able to have good parties in or that are well-known and notorious. Dr Kim Maiai. There's a sort of an acceptance that uh, if you're a student living in Dunedin that you'll be living in a cold flat, the housing stock's quite old, and people tend to accept that, and I don't know if it's just youthful exuberance or the fact that they're only going to be here for four years or five years or six years, and that they can put up with it on a temporary basis. And it's also sort of written into the uh, student mythology a little bit about you come to Dunedin and you freeze in a flat for a couple of years. So that does seem to be part of the, um, the general accepted framework. <laughs> Sarah Gallagher is a former Otago student who's compiling a book about named student flats in Dunedin with stories from former tenants. She showed me round an exhibition of her photographs at the university earlier this month.
One of my favourites is DSIR, which is actually around the corner. Let's go around there. Um, DSIR used to be the Department of Science and Industrial Research back in the day, and they called it um, the Department of Student Inebriation Research. And they kind of, I mean, the sign is made out of an old bed head off a single bed. They signed the back of it. They had a car with DSIR written on it, and they all got together and they had lab coats as well for drinking in. Many of the stories um, she's collected refer to the poor condition of flats, but she says the comments have been relayed with a fond nostalgia. People come here because they want an experience as well. You know, you're leaving home when you come to Dunedin, for the majority of people. You know, there's a lot of romance around that. Having your own place... Having an old place that's got history where other people have lived before you, you know, other students have lived before you, there's been stuff happen that's really exciting, you know. And I guess by proxy you become part of that history. There have been comments like that. I mean, even the guys at the, the beehive that talked about the ceiling falling in, you know, it was sort of said with a laugh. It was like, oh, it's one of those things, you know. It's just what happens. I haven't had any, you know, negative comments about landlords or flats at all. Not all students choose to live in Studentville. Other areas like the inner city, City Rise and North East Valley are popular alternatives. Hi. Hello. I'm Emily, come on in. Wow, this is a great place, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. Nice uh, and big. Art uh, Deco um, style. Yep, definitely. Yep. Come on up. Fourth-year student Emily lives in a plush four-bedroom apartment in the inner city for $115 a room. It's hard to find a flat in Dunedin that isn't cold in winter. I think the main thing is not rushing into it because lots of people sign up for flats that are really kind of overrated, pay heaps of money for something just because it's in the right area. But it's just, you know, you don't really need to freak out that you're going to miss out on a flat because there's so many flats and you can kind of find any sort of range. I mean, if you're... Just starting out at Union, you want to live on Castle Street in the middle of everything, you can. Or you can try and find somewhere that's further out. Cliff CQ says living slightly further away from the university can be a lot cheaper. Sure enough, there might be a 10-15 minute walk, but you, you, you can quite often save yourself the 30 or $40 a week in, in rent. That can, that can be hard, depending on how far you are away from the university. What we have here is a basic curry recipe. I'm teaching someone how to cook a Southeast Asian style curry. So Andy's cooking dinner for his flatmates in Northeast Valley. They pay just $55 each a week in rent, and flatmate Sam thinks students have plenty of options. I think we're certainly on the, the nice end of the spectrum. It's it's small, but it's like that means it's easy to heat and things like that. It's close enough to uni to not be a huge hassle, but it's far enough away from Castle Street and all that, you know. If you're smart and you don't mind, you know, compromising, say, a bit of distance for lower rent and a nicer neighbourhood, you know, and you're smart about where you choose, you know, you don't go into a place that is like, well, you know, huge rooms, but, you know, how's that going to be to heat? If you're just intelligent about the way, you know, and, and quite judgmental and picky and choosy about where you're going to go, then I think there is plenty of choice. The University Students Association plays a key role in trying to educate students about tenancy issues and to advocate for them. This is the OUSA Flatting Magazine. We put this out annually and um, it's a one-stop shop to all students need to know about flatting. Um, 
Amy Preble is the manager of OUSA's Student Support Centre, which runs the highly visible STOP campaign. Everybody sees the stop sign and they know what that means. Um, it's stop signing up for overpriced and substandard flats, and that's basically the key message. So we've got the um, hazard sign, great um, big um, exclamation mark there, um, and that is the first part of the campaign. It happens in May, and we're educating students about their rights. The stop part that happens in July, August. That's when we say, okay, you're going out there, you're looking at all these flats, just stop and don't sign up for anything thinking that um, you know there's a great big shortage of flats because that's not the case. And when people sign up too quickly, they actually drive um, the prices up. The university's accommodation services also organises flatting information nights and expos. In partnership with the City Council, Landlords and Health Services, the university is establishing a tertiary precinct development plan to map out a strategy for development in the campus area over the next few decades. Deputy Mayor Sid Brown says housing is a key focus, given that Dunedin markets itself as the educational capital of New Zealand. We've got to make sure that the student experience is a memorable one and it's not something that they come to Dunedin and say that uh, their housing experience was the most inappropriate part of their student life in Dunedin. So we're going to make sure that they come to uh, a very safe environment for a start. We've also got to make sure that that uh, housing experience is a memorable one. And it's one that, if you look at it in relation to the students that flat for the first time, their parents are living out on other ends of the country and they've got to be quite comfortable that their sons and daughters are going into a housing experience that's going to help them uh, further their university career because that's what they're here for and to have quite a comfortable enjoyment uh, of amenity space. A voluntary accreditation and star rating system is being developed to try to improve standards and give students important information about flats at a glance. Landlords will fill out a series of questions about their properties and James Lindsay from the University's Accommodation Services says random audits will ensure the details provided are accurate. A lot of time is spoken about um, the bad landlords, the absentee landlords and the ones with, with poor properties, but not much time is actually saying, how do we recognise good landlords who do all this good stuff. Part of the accreditation will recognise those landlords. So how we're looking at doing is having um, a rating system that generates a star rating and a little, like a little bar that explains how far along the installation is or how long fire safety is, which allows the students at a glance to guess or to, to, to comprehend what it is. If something falls above or achieves above a certain level within these star ratings, it will then become, it gets the additional kudos or recognition, if you like, as being an accredited property. So immediately a student recognises the word accredited property, they know that it's achieved a certain minimum standard. If the property falls below that, it won't be accredited, but it will still have a star rating because there is a market for lower-end properties. Sid Brown says it's also important to retain the character of campus housing, some of which is historically significant. North Dunedin's got a very, what would you call it, a heritage precinct character. And uh, we're very concerned that that character is not disadvantaged in any way by development. And so there is a very strict guidelines in our district plan about demolition of those buildings. And we would like to promote the actual development of those buildings within their 
existing heritage precincts is something that should be treasured and so we would like to see that maintained. More details about the Tertiary Precinct Development Plan and its star rating and accreditation system for flats will be made public later this year. Whether students take notice of it is anyone's guess. That programme was written and presented by Emma Lancaster. Technical production was by Colette Chapman and it was produced by Sue Ingram.